When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to season three of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Coach the Outlaw. And with me, if you are watching, you can see the tomfoolery I am dealing with today. I got a big team with me. I got Matthew Aguilar and Janelle Wheeler. Hey, guys. But you know them. They're the regular crew. We brought back Mr. Tom cruising it himself over there, Connor Casey, one of our wrestling experts. It's Vegas, baby, and I'm living large. What's up, guys? Oh, God. Oh, boy. Vegas! Can we mute that? Can we just mute his microphone? I'm not going to lie. This is what happens when we send comic book people on location for special (laughs) events. Uh, Connor is covering some uh, big wrestling stuff for us, and as you can see, he's enjoying the perks of the job. So, kids, you're working on your resume. These are the perks of the job. Uh, props that you're awake at. right now yeah Let's go what time is it in vegas like yeah uh it's only nine it's no. not man only? everybody's I mean, still yeah, but like nine o'clock in vegas is like six a.m exactly like, yeah. i agree yeah. Yeah. yeah it is yeah if you ever done vegas we know that story but also <laughs> lurking up there in the top you can all you see him you knew if you're a fan of the show you knew lurking. he was gonna be back today yes he's hovering more like hovering <laughs> mr jim viscardi our uh fame producer is back on today because, uh, let's go yeah, yeah, we're gonna get right to it you know we we pay our dues we're like lannisters on this show we always pay our dues and uh <laughs> we've been ragging on jim for quite some time here at comic book because he's almost been, like, weekly the yeah almost he's weekly. been well man you were the sole person to stand against the tide and, and be stumping for marvel's eternals we were all like what is this movie going to show us something like what is it and Jim's been all Jack Kirby this and this, that, and the other. It's all great. And we were all like, ah, come on, man. But now Marvel has done Jim the biggest favor in the world. They dropped this Eternals (laughs) final trailer, which we got just yesterday. And uh, our poor Marvel podcast, Phase Zero, has to finally experience the pain of getting done an episode and then having something major happen, which is yeah, a daily a daily <laughs> trauma we have, we have lived with for three seasons. But here we are. So we're going to break down this Marvel's Eternals trailer. And Jim, let's just get to it. Let's hand you the baton. Ironically enough, before the show, you were saying you now may we may have passed you <laughs> in the night like ships passing in the night. Because now you may be not as hyped about this final trailer as everybody no. else is. And I don't know what happened, right? Where, like, obviously, look, I was I was super excited Wait, for real. This. Yeah, I, I'm not I, I now. <laughs> yeah, he hits the like, pre-show. As the kids say, I saw, yeah. the kids I say saw, no cap. No, <laughs> then I saw the trailer, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then everyone I see online is like, oh my god, it's gonna be the best movie ever. They're all falling over themselves for <laughs> for this movie, and I'm like. What is going like? What bizarro world have I entered where this was one of my most anticipated Marvel movies, and now I'm like, oh, I'll see it when I see it, right? I mean, I mean, popularity, Jim. Do you have no? I mean, look, there are there are some there are some very big moments in this that that obviously I love, right? I think Arshem the Judge, the giant red celestial, looks fantastic. Um, 
I was initially concerned with some of the celestial design because I'm used to them being just kind of like more big hulking masses of celestial goodness. Uh, not, you know, the, the weird, you know, kind of spindly top heavy kind of beings that they are in this. Um, and, but like, I mean, like, like when you see more things like the, their, their giant just floating triangle of a ship and, uh, you know, I, I will give them this. I think they gave a very good reason with like one, maybe minor like hole to poke in it for why they didn't get involved with all the, the Thanos stuff. And I was actually impressed that they started the trailer right off with that, because that's literally the question everyone has been uh, asking about this movie. And now that I, I actually want to come back to that point, but <laughs> go ahead, finish up. yeah, yeah, go back. We're going to come back to that, but go ahead. But, but like, and like, like the only, like the, like they the reason that they give is like, I could, the hole you can poke in it is like, okay, well, they the explanation is oh the everyone returning is what upset the balance of energy but like everyone mass dying did not like everyone just like getting dusted with uh <laughs> like did not upset uh whatever um I, 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 <laughs> but i think i don't like, get too crazy but that's oh, that's easy to explain like and if you're making <laughs> You know, if I could imagine myself as a godlike being, like I could imagine <laughs> that, that you could have. I mean, you have rules set in place, right? Like death, release of energy. That's normal, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how it happens, people dying and the energy going back. That's normal. Taking death, dead things yeah. back and like bringing them back is against kind of. Yeah, OK, but order. people die, but not half the planet. I mean, but that's, that's a lot. That's universe. a lot of energy. Yeah, that's a lot energy. of energy getting if back. Yeah, but there's no rule. they like, oh hey. Yeah, but there's no rule that says like a supernova couldn't wipe out like you know a bunch of stuff. There's there's no. I'm just saying. We're, no, we're but getting, I mean, we're I would, getting so far I'm out there. On this. And then I think, we're but then I think like if a supernova rules, happens, like, yeah. the celestials are like, oh, there's a problem. We, you know, we should probably go fix that. But their thing is not to ensure life. Like acting to stupid god rules. Yeah, but but what I'm saying, like, there's nothing to ensure life continues that's not a rule right but like death and bringing back life is something a, a little bit i can buy as unnatural. consumption of resources yeah. like when people leave it's just like building up energy like f- to be consumed and then when everybody comes back it's like oh my god we didn't have the resources for everything to be consumed again also, which is like with like global warming and stuff what is what you know, is you sound like thanos name? right now what is kofi's god name atiba <laughs> <laughs> that's what the when we get close to Eternals, what we, what we need to do what we need to do is go through the list of celestials and we just need to assign one of each to each member of the show and see how how that goes uh, the one that sleeps we, all the time because that's the green awesome. one <laughs> well that's, wow, that's that, the one this, that we really work this out logically this is great let's get back on the rails yeah. here's what i wanted to go back to um jim mentioned it that how this trailer i feel like and i wrote this down in an article that this eternal's final trailer is so pleasing to people in a sense because it's literally tailored it's a it's the first what i would call like tailored trailer meaning that this trailer is clearly tailored to every single thing that fans have been either talking about debating or criticizing about this movie since the first teaser right and it's just like a bullet point that it's like hey thanos happened here's where we are oh we didn't mess with the avengers because here's the new threat 
the uh, Eternals. And it's like, okay, there you go. Boom. And it's like, yeah, this was like pulled from chat threads all over the internet. And I'm not mad at that because it, it did its job. And it's, I mean, it's, it's next level Kevin Feige, right? It's like, I'm going to answer all your basic questions that I've heard you talking about, but still not going to tell you much yeah. beyond hey. that. And I'm sure, and but like the other thing I have a big issue with is like the design of like Crow, the villain, right? Like he just he looks like a bad Power Rangers villain, right? Like it's it, it, like you know it. it I, I'm sure he is probably not the main villain, right? Like yeah, I think he's our our red herring kind of like you know the uh, issue happening there. But like even yeah. then, like just some of the, the design choices on this film are just have me scratching my head in a in a sense that like. When when Marvel very clearly embraced all of the Kirby stuff in Ragnarok, they are leaving it on the side of the road for for this film. Power Rangers do rock. Oh so yeah, there you go. look, I, I love the, well, I love I the Power Rangers. We're talking Rangers, to two of the okay? biggest Power Rangers fans on the site. Right, right but, now. Let's, <laughs> but let's be real here. Like it looks, it's like so uh, Goldar from the Power Rangers no, reboot. No Stop, you type, you tapped again at something like, okay, so here's the thing with the Crow thing, right? Like that thing is weird because Crow is the leader of the Deviants. We get like a little brief scene, and in that scene, they clearly indicate to a, a comic storyline that happened between Crow and Athena, correct? Yep. yep. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil that for non-comic readers here, but that, that automatically makes certain design choices like yes. that are weird. The discussions around this film must've been hilarious. It's like, okay, <laughs> we got to make Crow the representative of this wildly mutating monster race, but still sexy enough to you know like and it's just like the absurdity of that i would have loved to be in the marvel design team just to hear these conversations okay so you do have this weird design where you have to make this alien thing that's also kind of sexy i don't know like <laughs> this conversation is taking some very odd but, but that's okay. exactly what's happening here like that's right. exactly so what before, you gotta do because i have i have thoughts oh really i want well, to know thoughts. what janelle yeah, thinks really. because janelle like because we've in our conversations with the show, like me, I know me and Kofi have read Eternals books. Like we're not the biggest fans, obviously, but like we've read Eternals books and like, but like, I don't know case. if you have or not. So like, how did you look at I me? Mean, were you jazzed about this trailer? I mean, it is totally on my alley. Like, you know, anything spacey, anything right. cosmic-y, magic, like and anything like that just makes me really excited in general. Um, anything spiritual is very exciting for me. And like any reference to like celestials or any of that kind of thing, it just really makes me excited. But um, I did try to read some early Eternals comics. I'm sorry. They were, they, they've been a little trying. It's been a little difficult to quite wrap my head around it. And not it's, it's not just the dialogue, but the art. There's a lot going on. And it's 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 very it's I don't know it's it's complicated uh, and so for me having a little bit of background from trying to read the books definitely paid off for the trailer for me um, because the way that I saw the first like teasers the way I um, kind of consumed those was complete confusion like I didn't really know where this was going and then taking it to like hey I've read a couple books. Now seeing this trailer, I'm like, oh my god, there's a deviant. Oh my gosh, like the celestials. Oh my gosh, like I, it makes sense to me. Um, 
I'm very excited about it. Like I know that we're we're dogging on Jim about being excited from the beginning, but I was very very excited from the beginning too. I was I just thought the whole premise was really really cool. Um, so I'm I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I'm Jim excited before, but I'm Janelle excited now too. <laughs> wow. That's a yeah. Jim uh, excited. Girl. We should brand that. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> just a quick thing in the comments. Uh, Brandon Davis talked to Kevin Feige the other day. We're gonna get a Spider Man No Way Home trailer. That is confirmed. People have been asking about that since we have this Eternals trailer. Uh, yeah, Brandon Davis talked to Kevin Feige. We're getting a Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. He also broke the scoop that we're getting Riri Williams yeah, in Black Riri. Panther 2. Uh, Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart, will make her debut in Black Panther 2 before getting her own Ironheart series. That's a comicbook.com Marvel slash Brandon Davis slash Phase Zero exclusive, so go check that out, too. I'm so excited for her. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, just this trailer. Okay, so what do you guys? Moving on, we have our impressions. What do you guys think the big threat? This, this. Oh, sorry, Connor. Did we forget Vegas? What? Somebody saying something? No, I did. I was All right, because <laughs> we got to move on. I'm going to give you guys a lot of time for wrestling because I know Connor's got something okay. to do this morning. But so, um, what do you guys think about this new apocalyptic threat? The emergence. What do you guys think it is? Theories go. Jim, you're the expert. You better know this. No, oh, I think it's it's got to be it's got to be uh, if I had to guess, and it's not inside image, it's got to be uh, I think it's I think it's Tiamat, the Dreaming Celestial, because that 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 Celestial is always causing problems on Earth, and so it just like he's in almost every single Eternal story that has to do with like Earth and whatever. So it like I gotta believe that he is the one. Because like the, the Eternals have this concept, you know, of uh, like they they plant seeds, like celestial seeds, um, in Earth to for when it comes time to you know do the the judgment or whatever. Like that's what the that celestial's job is, and so it it has to be Tiamat. Like if and if it's anyone else, I would be shocked. Yeah, some people have said it's the Deviant. Some people have said it's the Celestials. I think it'll be a, a combination of both. It'll be the energy to wake the celestial, which also helps free the deviants from wherever the hell they've been buried all this yeah. time. I'd love to dig into this more, but I want to give you guys time to do wrestling. So you can find everything about our Eternals theories, breakdowns, background comic information, all that under comicbook.com Marvel. Go check that out right now. Uh, we're going to reverse things a little bit and move things. Usually we do wrestling at the end, but uh, Connor is in Vegas because he's got some big wrestling stuff to do. And there's some big events coming to wrestling this week. So we're going to take some time to talk about wrestling. And then we are going to talk about Marvel's What If, DC's Titans, and a bunch of other great stuff. So stay tuned for all of that as well. Connor, Matt, Jim, take it away. What's going on in the world of wrestling? Well, guys, do not let the Vegas setting fool you. I am all business this week because SummerSlam takes place this Saturday in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. I'm here for it, going to a press junket right after this, talking to a lot of the biggest stars that are going to be on the show. Now, let's talk SummerSlam real quick. If Matt, if you ever needed proof that SmackDown is the A show now, all you got to do is look at this card because any match that anybody is talking about right now is Roman Reigns versus John Cena, Sasha versus Bianca too. Edge versus Seth Rollins. Yeah, that, that's it, right? Yeah, I, I don't. And, and it's there was we, we've even talked about this in the chat sometimes of like, I know Raw is still considered the flagship show, but like it, in name only because yeah. like there's just no like no one buzzes about the all the buzz I ever see about Raw is all the negative stuff. 
right. all the buzz I ever see about SmackDown is not just the positives, but it's majority positive. So it's just, I mean, yeah, it's just like Roman's killing it. I mean, geez, they did a whole half hour segment and a promo and no one cared because it was great. So yeah, I mean, this is SmackDown is the A show. And, and before anybody rushes in and says, what about Bill Goldberg guys, I'm looking at the MGM billboard right now. <laughs> there is no mention of Bill Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley. The only match that is being advertised around the city right now, it's Cena versus Reigns. Tribal Chief. As far Man, as the gonna, rest of the world knows, nobody knows that Goldberg is on this show. We're gonna get we're gonna get Goldberg and Lashley as the pre-show, like at this point. <laughs> it might be the opener at this point. <laughs> And, and that's crazy respect to Goldberg. I don't even but, weigh and, in that much. But here's, not that. here's the thing. The best you can hope for is a zero sum game. If Lashley beats Goldberg, it's just harmless. It, it doesn't, it doesn't really build up Lashley in any way, just because it did just like it did not really build up Drew in any way when it happened back at the Royal Rumble. He lost a month later and everybody kind of just shrugged their shoulders and said, eh, moving on to the next thing. If he, if Lashley loses, and 54-year-old Bill Goldberg is your WWE champion, all you did was piss off a lot of people. True. But what I will say to that is, as we've seen in the Raw ratings, Goldberg does have an impact. Having a name like Goldberg on your Raw show, you can see the dips and you can see the raises when he's on. I get why they bring him on for those. The other thing is, while everyone is, including myself, going, he better not win because it would make no sense and kill your, your champ and everything. Right. The fact that we're all going like, you're still tuning in to, to make sure that WWE doesn't screw it. You're crossing your finger saying, please don't screw this up. That's the best we're hoping for. Yet that still gets you to care about that match. Cause otherwise right now, Bobby Lashley facing who else gets you to care. In in any way, like I, they they haven't built another person. No, it was on SmackDown. You're not gonna, you're not going to care right now because they haven't built that properly. Rollins is building towards a Reigns confrontation yeah, stuff, right? Yeah. So like they haven't done the build there. At some point, definitely a Rollins Lashley thing could could command that, but not right now. So like the only way you're going to really care about Lashley defending a title is just making sure he doesn't lose it to crazy booking. And that at least is something I will, I will say that like having Goldberg and having Goldberg lose does do a little bit of that. And, and Kofi, by the way, this is coming from a huge Goldberg mark. I love Goldberg, (laughs) but (laughs) diminishing returns. Okay. Like it's like at this point, like just the 2016 comeback should have been the swan song because it was so good. And now it's just stop it. Hey, you saw yeah, the ultimate. Then, I mean, you've seen the Undertaker. Until there yeah. is not a drop of blood left in there, it keeps this. The show keeps going. Well, Goldberg almost paralyzed the Undertaker, and we yeah. we give an incredible amount of leeway to a guy that almost did that and gave but, himself a concussion. Matt, Matt, Jim, let me ask you this: Is there any hidden gem on this card? Because the big three we know are going to deliver. I don't think so. Um, yeah, no I, no I'm one like, for Seamus, like, Damian I, Priest. I'm low key, like like just only really excited about the main event for this show. That's fair. That's I I think uh, I think because when we did our predictions, which you can definitely check out on comicbook.com, the whole WWE crew weighs in. I I Rollins Edge is going to be good. I know that's not getting talked about as much, but it's but it's going to be good. But I will say, yeah, I think Sheamus Priest is probably the one that will over deliver. 
that will surprise. I mean, they're they're both. I I'm I like Priest. Uh, you know, I think he's come a long way, especially since uh, hitting Raw. So I mean, I I think that could be a really good match. I I won't say it'll be the Cena Reigns, but I I think it's gonna yeah. be a good match, and I think people will, might come out of that going like, oh hey, that was that was really good, like that overperformed. I'll toss in just for the sake of conversation. RK bro versus AJ and almost it's funny that for the second year in a row, Randy Orton is in Raw's most interesting match at SummerSlam when it comes to the red brand, because um, he's as, that good. And th- this yeah. one's more about the other people involved. I love he was Randy. Good, he was that good last year. Not, not even, this year. It's more about Riddle. facial hair. Yeah. What's with yeah. the mustache? I have no he's idea. He's going for like a, an early Tony Stark <laughs> look. That? I think it's so weird. Now, do let's get to this last thing with SummerSlam. Does Cena have a prayer in beating Rumble? No, absolutely he, not. He better not. Okay. He better no, not. they need in order to in order to keep the Reigns thing going strong. Reigns has to go over John Cena, and he it's going to be one. Him. It's going to be one hell of a match. I hope. I hope it's one hell of a match. I hope it is not a like uh, a squash um, that that they actually do get. Uh, you know, time to to kind of tell the story, even though they really haven't had much in the ring to build to it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's always nice to see Cena back in the ring, and I think the two of them are at a point now where I think they can put on a good match with one another. I think if this was if this had been a match, you know, and this has been a match earlier on, like like these two aren't guys that I think are compatible generally with one another as far as their wrestling styles go. Uh, but Roman has come a really long way, and um, you know, Cena does his his five moves of doom, and and I think we'll we'll get something pretty good. Yeah, I I think uh, there's just no. It, I will be so mad as will other people. Like I just don't, there's no way that they do it. But then every time I say that they freaking do it. So I, I also, I also don't, but here's the thing, like with the news of Ric Flair leaving and then now, and then going to show up on end, uh, NWA and the stuff that he did with, you know, uh, Andrade and, and whatever. I almost wonder if Vince in his head goes, well, screw it. Let's give it to John Cena. So John Cena can be a be the new official, crown bearer of the most wins of the world title and then they find some way to give it back to to make him the 17 time my my only thing champion. is i think john would say no to that because he yeah. respects the hell out of flair yeah i don't know it's but, just and, another, but it's just another thing to throw in the pot when he's talking about <laughs> yes. this. I, here's the thing right. though i do think before because i as Roman said, right? Like, this is the last time you see him. I, I don't know if that's the case. I, I feel like no. before he no. retires, he'll get it. He gets they'll one more. Do and something. then yeah, they'll put him we'll over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, Matt, that's not the only show going on this weekend. And I'm not talking about GCW or CM Punk showing up in AEW. I'm talking about NXT TakeOver. Now, nobody cares. You, nobody cares. No, that is not true. Nope. Come nobody on. cares. No, no. Rephrase that to Jim doesn't care because Jim. Nobody Jim cares. Care there like there are there are only two stories that people care about this weekend. One is Roman Reigns and John Cena, and the other yes. one is MJF showing up as CM Punk uh, uh, on what? Rampage tonight. And, and that, then I mean, CM Punk running out. And then CM Punk yeah. coming yeah. out, and then and then we get. Yes, uh, people will uh, care about Takeover, Jim. People like good wrestling. I know sometimes you don't. But what, what, people like that. what? And people like it. So I mean, I'm just. I started say, to like, come around on AEW. I wasn't people liking can. AEW, and now it's it's gotten it's gotten a lot better because it's awesome. Welcome, Jim. It's so <laughs> much fun. But let, let's talk about Takeover real quick because 
the narrative around the show and around the product is that there's going to be some pretty big changes coming to NXT in the near future. They are moving away from supposedly this is just being reported. Triple H denied this to me yesterday, but this is what's being reported. They're moving away from the heavy work rate stuff. The smaller guys that can have fantastic matches and are moving back towards the focus towards bigger, younger guys that can one day take the spear from Roman Reigns and lose in the main event of WrestleMania. (laughs) Matt, how do you feel about those changes? And do you think that actually plays in to Sunday's main event? Because while everyone is assuming that Samoa Joe is beating Karrion Cross, he is by no means tall and he is by no means young. And yet he's expected to dethrone the guy that, from what we've been hearing, seems to be the prototype for what they're looking for. Um, well, on the on the Joe thing, uh, I would not be. I think because of, if all of these other changes or these reports anyway weren't surrounding it, I would say there's actually a very good chance that Cross wins and that we see the Joe thing come later. Like they'll get a rematch and they'll get a you know a, a sequel and then you'll see it happen. Um, just to whether that's just a swerve you or get more out of storyline, who knows? But with all the other stuff happening and like Cross being on Raw and and stuff like that, right? I think this is very much um, kind of a closing of of this chapter, so to speak, uh, for at least for the men's division, um, the women's division. I like it. it it's a little different. Um, it doesn't need to change. It, it's, it really doesn't. I mean, I was no. going to say that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really need to change. Their women's division is stacked and it's amazing. So um, I think Joe will win because I think Ooh. even though he isn't, yes, he isn't. Uh, he is the, he's Vince's, the star they need right now. He's, he's not. Okay. But here's the thing. All the changes they are talking about, the, the, the thing they are going for doesn't really take their talent into account. It's never been about talent in NXT. They have a ton. They have a ton, and they actually have people like Cross who fit Vince's prototype. It's not about that. I feel like a lot of the things with NXT are internal, creative, well, uh, divisiveness. It's it's a it's different points of view as to how we get there, and it's muddling everything in between. Well, I, feel like I, a lot I don't even, I'm not even saying like carrying, not necessarily being the look or whatever. I just think NXT needs a star as a, as a champion right now. And, and Samoa Joe is that star. They don't have anyone right now in the mix, especially yeah. when you have, you know, Finn, you know, back on the main roster and whatever you need someone who is going to be a draw week in and week out. And right now that's not, it's just not carrying right now. And I think more people no, would I more, I think more people would come back to NXT to check it out if Joe was champion. But that's not what we're talking about, though, because Joe coming back, the changes that all these things that are surrounding it. Oh, sure, sure. Are sure. not to do. Joe is the antithesis of that. It doesn't make sense. So if you are doing all these other things and changing up the program, well, no, it doesn't fit any of it. But what I think, I think, but I think you use Joe to build that talent. Is, I, is No, is they the have they already have like, OK, these are two like different discussions. I don't think one affects the other. <laughs> I think Joe was going to win because yeah. they want cross on raw and they have all these long-term plans and Joe was always a favorite in NXT anyway. So I agree. I think Joe is going to win and Joe's going to be a great champ again. He's going to be, he's going to be great. NXT fans love him, but I don't think that's like some giant change in strategy. I think that was just always going to be the long-term plan. They might've sped it up a little, 
because no, obviously right. of all the other stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this last thing. Yeah, gotta give Connor. I, I, I think word. you both got great points, but none of that matters because Walter is going to have the match of the night. I'm out. <laughs> Walter, all right, Connor, thank you. Connor Casey's got to go and uh, handle our business on the ground for comicbook.com wrestling. So he's got to go mingle with the stars and do all the hard work we do here on a Friday. So thank you, Connor, for dropping in. We'll talk to Thanks, you fellas. later. Jim and Matt, you guys get this final spat before we go to an ad break and then we get back to some Titans talk, some what if talk and a whole bunch of other comics and fun stuff. Oh, the, the, the only other comment I have is I, I'm actually I'm very excited for Rampage tonight. I thought last week's Rampage uh, managed to pack uh, a lot of wrestling in a one hour show. Uh, I think I think I, I think it, the counter was it did uh, it had 27 minutes of actual wrestling in one hour compared to the 28 minutes of wrestling in two hours that SmackDown had uh, that compared with the CM Punk stuff coming up is it's just going to be is going to be really fun to watch. So do you actually think. You punts there, right? It's I think he shows. I think he shows up. I don't think he says anything, and you get the like. CM Punk finally speaks out on Wednesday's Dynamite. God, I hate that. I don't like that they've done that with every single person. I know they've done that with like they've done That's it with Christian. Stick. Everyone hated it when they did it with yeah. Christian. Everyone like, why do they keep doing that? Like, let him get him. Let him get on the mic and say more than five words. That's CM it. Punk. They only have an hour. It's it's a tight I show. Understand they and carve out time. I'm sorry. That's your main attraction. By the way, Rampage, last week's Rampage was excellent. Uh, yep. And I think one hour is fantastic for yep. AEW's. Like, just like they packed three matches in. The second one was a squash, but like the other two were fantastic. Uh, they actually yep. had a title change. Admittedly, it's not going to be that every week. It was no, their premiere. No, this one's a special occasion. We're not going to yep. always get that. But I think CM Punk comes out. I just hope they let him talk. I don't care about CM Punk wrestling. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't care. I've never like I, it's it's whatever. <laughs> it's they already have a ton of talent on that roster. I'm not like really like, oh, I want to see CM Punk wrestle again. I want to hear CM yep. Punk talk again. I, yep. I want like he is a promo machine. Well, that's so what that's what has me excited mic. about about a hopeful MJF Punk feud, because that is just that's money. Well, straight see. money. Let's see how it goes. All right, Kofi, let's go to break. Well, okay. We could have just done it there. I mean, don't even bring me in as a middleman. Rich, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the first Song Chi reactions hitting the internet, Marvel's latest What If, DC's Titans' latest episode, and some big comics that dropped this week. So stay tuned. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We are back. All right. We're back. I want to thank the wrestling guys for uh, holding us down and previewing these this week's wrestling events. You got WWE SummerSlam, NXT TakeOver 36. Be sure to check out all our coverage on comicbook.com wrestling. So let's talk about we're hopping back over the fence to Marvel to talk about the first reactions to Song Chi, which had its big premiere this past week. Our own Brandon Davis got to go check out the film, talk to the stars and Kevin Feige and a bunch of stuff. 
and even broke some big things. Like we're getting uh, Ben Kingsley back in this movie. Uh, the fake Mandarin is is in Song Chi, so that's going down. And uh, we're gonna keep it to our reaction. I'll read you to what BD said after being one of the first to see Song Chi. He said Song Chi is awesome. This movie hits all the Marvel hits all that Marvel does well: pacing, humor, character, and adds action like we've never seen from the MCU before. That is key. Lots of people are about to have a new favorite Marvel hero. It is darker than expected. Loads of fun. Integral and integral to MCU Phase Four. Uh, director Dustin Daniel Crenton brought something so fresh to the MCU, so much style and heart. The action is absurdly epic. Uh, Simeon Liu is a legend. He nails the action sequences, brings the heart, and has great timing with Aquafina. It's a personal family story at its core, and that's when it's at its best. The third act is full of surprises, but sometimes is a little crazier than needed, but ultimately delivers epic action and intimate moments to land its big MCU stuff. All right, so that is from comicbook.com's Brandon Davis. And uh, it echoes a lot of what we are hearing in these first uh, Shang-Chi reactions, which is that people are kind of surprised that it is actually, uh, we've been kind of surprised this week in the sense that it's been confirmed that both Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and Eternals are post and very much post Endgame movies. These are we there was speculation that like like Black Widow, these movies could possibly be set like before the snap or door in between the snap and the blip or something like that. But no, these are both very much post Endgame movies. Uh, so is Shang Chi, and they are moving this this franchise storyline very much forward. So that was kind of uh, surprising to learn for a lot of people. When Shang Chi was kind of proposed, we here on this podcast said, you know, what will make or break this movie is. Can Marvel actually bring that superhero Marvel brand visual action design fun to the kind of martial arts epic genre, which is already based on kind of stunts and spectacle and fun? And how do you take that and make that Marvel level? But from what we're hearing, they've managed to knock that out and add some interesting new mythology. And Song-Chi seems like more of a pivotal player in the MCU Phase 4 storyline than we thought. So after hearing these first reactions, let's just go around the room real quick. How's everybody feeling about this movie all of a sudden? I'll go first. I I we're all so polite. It's very sweet. Uh, <laughs> I think you just made that up, but sure. <laughs> um I I've been really excited about this. I love uh I, I know I keep saying this and I hope it's not triggering anyone, but it's kind of like a mortal combat you know, Marvel <laughs> thing that I just, I love Mortal Kombat from when I was a kid. I love really good fighting scenes, um, like physical hand-to-hand combat. I love magic. Um, it's something that I'm really excited about, honestly, with or without the reactions, I am sold. You know, it's, I, I honestly am trying not to read too many reactions and I'll tell you why. I listened to so many people talk about Suicide Squad, James Gunn, James Guns, and I just it, it was so over sold. Like everyone was just freaking out about how much they loved it that by the time I watched it, I was just like, yeah, I mean, it's good. And I think had I not read all the reactions, I would have experienced it differently. So I'm actually trying not to read too many reactions. I'm trying not to like get spoilery or anything like that this time. And I'm pumped about it. I think it's gonna be amazing. Matt, you're the one who hates Shang-Chi, so we'll tell you. <laughs> oh, wow. When did I get that? 
I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. I did not like a turtles, but I will not cop to this. Like, uh, ironically, that's what makes this next comment. Uh, great. Uh, I, I am kind of lukewarm. (laughs) I'm kind of, uh, I try to, he really did. Yeah. He sent me, um, it's kind of like Eternals. I'm I'm kind of lukewarm on uh I it's not it's not like it's I'm against it or anything. I just don't know. I I don't have this like longing to go to the theater and I I the stuff that kind of makes me interested has always been the combat stuff like kind of like Janelle said, right? The just the martial arts of it all. Um that's the stuff that's made me most interested. Uh and I don't know. I just it, nothing has like wowed me about it, and you it'll wish probably that they be were, really fun. And do really you wish good. That they were releasing it on Disney Plus? Oh yeah, for sure. Me too. Um, yeah, I I probably like I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna end up seeing it before, <laughs> like yeah. in the theater for a minute. Do you think it will be out sooner, or do you think they'll do like the typical like? space between theater release and streaming well, i think they it's said it's going to be soon. 45 days yeah, right? yeah, 45 days, 45 Got days. It. And, yeah. and i don't think they're switching experts. no i but i don't think i know there's been some things on like twitter and social media like oh reverse the change it whatever i don't think that's happening okay. i think they're going to stick to yeah, it or is it going to be just regular disney plus content or in 45 days is it premiere access Oh, that's a good question. I, it was just- I would, I would imagine it's going to be premiere access premiere. because yeah. they're going to want because they're what they're going to want is the, uh, the money back. <laughs> yeah, they're going to want that. They're going to want that pivot um, for for when it goes to like you know iTunes like, for rentals. I did that and for Black like Widow, that. and I don't regret that for a second. Neither do I. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of what I would do here. I mean, I would do that here. So yeah, but I think also too, one of the things that I think is. M- probably more a fault of the marketing than, than I think of the movie itself is usually when these Marvel movies come out, they are the next chapter of the ongoing MCU story. Right. And the movie that we got before this was black widow that didn't necessarily really move it forward too much. And so we, there's still this like nebulous, like what is the main through line for phase four? And I don't think we have that yet. Right. There's a lot of things happening, but there is not a single narrative driving through it. Like there was like that, like that we had previously. And so there's a lot of questions about where, where, like where and how does this, does this fit in and, and how does it connect to the Marvel universe and what does it set up moving forward? And, um, and I think, you know, in the early reactions and things like that, like, I think it's insinuated that, yeah, oh no, you're going to get a lot of those answers. You're going to get a lot of why, you know, why this movie is and should be a big deal, um, at like when, when it comes out. And I think, you know, it's, I'm, I'm hoping that this does, uh, do, like do, like basically does that because I think then there's something that we're going to be able to latch onto as okay here is where phase four is going because to me I have no idea where it's going outside of like the stuff the crazy stuff that's happening on the magic side with Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and WandaVision like I don't I don't I don't know like where in like the stuff that Contessa is building in the background based off Falcon Winter Soldier and the end of Black Widow like that's it and so, and like, and so, like, where does Shang Chi fit? And I think we'll get that answer. And I think it's going to surprise a lot of. I hope it surprises a lot of people. And because what I also feel like it, there is, I feel like there's a bit of MCU burnout 
a little bit uh, or maybe some MCU malaise where there isn't that thing to get the next answer to see where all this stuff goes. I think malaise is a really good description of that. Actually, I'm also interested if this could be the film that changes things, like really changes things. Right. This could be if this movie stalls in theaters and then makes gangbusters 45 days later on Disney Plus through Premier Access, then that's that's kind of it in a way. Like yeah. this is the Marvel movie. Like this is the pinnacle, right? This is the thing before the pandemic where we were going to get over half a billion dollars just like unchallenged worldwide, like mm-hmm. off the rip. And now if everybody's still sitting at home and saying over the last year and a half, no, I'm more comfortable here. And I want my Marvel movie here after Black Widow. And I'm not going out to the theater to do this. Like, yeah, that's going to be a big, pretty big signal flare to the industry. The, yeah, like, but, yeah, okay, but there's this thing that like keeps running because I keep I see reports too, and, and this factored a lot in with Suicide Squad. A lot of reports about like the box office and this and that. It's it's not like there's still this thing of like that we're over the pandemic and that's like not a thing. So like <laughs> like Delta variants and all these other things. Like so when people factor that in, it's not like. I'm not going to the theater because I want to sit at home. I'd rather see it in the theater. But I think I'm making a choice. No, but that statement gives off the vibe. That statement comes across as if like people are choosing to sit at home to watch it. I think it's changing more than you may think. I know. I I agree that is changing, but I'm saying the fallout of the pandemic is a factor. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's why I'm not going. Yeah, but I think nothing to do with wanting to watch it at home. But Liv, I mean, even in our own comments here, if you start to read deeper, like people are beginning to say it's like the pandemic. People are not factoring. Also, this pandemic has changed people significantly and irreversibly. And I mean, there's a thing we're calling now that's called the great resignation that's happening right now, where people have been through this pandemic, have reassessed their entire work life balance and are resigning in mass. Like we can't keep people in place because there is mass resignations of people who've been like, I've woken up to like a new life perspective and I'm out and like some things are changing. Like, it's and not, there is, I know I, agree with that. I don't think I can prove this yet, but I'm going on, I'm going to put it out there that what has happened through HBO max, Disney plus premier access and has conditioned people is even when this pandemic is gone and theaters have every reason to be clear, you're going to see a significant shift in the percentages of people who are like, for one reason or another, I'm not going back to this. I'm not dealing with the crowds. I'm not dealing with the mess. I'm not dealing with just whatever might be in the air. People talking, chewing on popcorn. They're done. And I think that's going to (laughs) be, I think this movie could be the first significant sign of that shift. We are not there yet. No, we are not. The point is that. But I am a futurist like Tony Stark, bro. I'm never ready treating this as if, okay, that happened and we're in this new normal. There is no new normal yet. The normal is still screwed up by something that's happening that is causing reactions. Like all these students are still reacting to stuff that is happening. I yeah, mean, you have to on the borders that's... of closing up again. Like it's not, there's no like, oh, well, we, we don't, we're not at the point where we can assess if it's the new normal yet. And people are getting ahead of themselves a little bit. But I agree with you at the end of it. I think there will be a huge shift. It's just people kind of jumping the gun by six months to a year. I mean, I agree with you and I agree. We can't, we can't get ahead of ourselves and, and call it yet. I just, I think a lot of things are going to change. I don't think after Scarlett Johansson, actors are going to be willing to negotiate the same ways. 
before the pandemic, I think it's all going to shift. But um, yeah, I'm interested to see Shang Chi. I really do want to see this. I'm going to probably I've I've had my shots. I'm going to probably go out and see it on IMAX because I love martial arts epics and I'm going to check mm-hmm. this out. But um, yeah, we're going to we're going to see what happens. And I, I weirdly think, as Jim indicated, this could be a movie where after it comes out in theaters, that first wave of people who are dedicated go see it. The word of mouth will build up that there could be this massive resurgence when it hits home video because people will then get invested. And, so like, I'm and, and, and we've seen that happen with straight character intro movies, right? It happened with Doctor yeah. Strange. I mean, Black Panther was clearly a phenomenon of its own, but like that word of mouth really helped just like exp- like just blow that movie out of the water. Uh, and it's say, you know, same goes for something like Captain Marvel too, right? Like those are those were all movies that everyone I think was a little bit uh lukewarm on in the beginning that then word of mouth helped carry to to great success so it's going definitely going to be were, interesting as you mentioned those were all movements too movements sure. were associated with those movies yep. and, and, and so is, a lot and of so people is this are one. expecting yeah the same kind of movement to be with shang chi because this is you know a spotlight on asian americans and yeah it's, uh, it's an amazing that's thing that's so, an important note like yeah. we are all outside that community right we That's have right. no idea what is going on inside that community to support this film that is a milestone for that mm-hmm. community. So if we're going to see what happens on that front. I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I know it all. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't. So we're going to see what happens because like Black Panther, you couldn't predict the cultural milestone that that was and, and what happened and what happened to social media for weeks on end. That was crazy, man. Um, so we'll see. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the Asian community is in pan Pacific community or pan Island community is huge Pacific Island community, man. I'm just butchering everything. I'm going to get canceled before the end of the speech. All right. <laughs> so it's huge. And like, yeah, they can really propel this movie on their own, um, without all these factors we're talking about. So we'll see. All right. Let's quickly touch on, uh, some recaps of our TV shows. I'm not going to get too deep. What did you guys think of what if season, uh, episode two, uh, I really like this one. I was surprised how well the worlds of Guardians of the Galaxy and Black Panther merged together. Not just having Chadwick Boseman back, which his voice, you know, I, I got emotional just like a lot of people. But uh, yeah, just putting a character like T'Challa, this noble character, in the role of Star-Lord instead of Peter Quill and having him interact with the Guardians universe was pretty hilarious. And and I liked this illustration of the uh, what if concept this weekend uh, it would because T'Challa is such a noble good guy and his influence on the galaxy was and all these other characters in it were were pretty good and they had great cameos in this one well I think it just goes to show how great of a character T'Challa is right like T'Challa is that is is a hero he is a stand-up guy that no matter what the situation he has he has a positive effect on like the world and situation around him and like that is it's it's a cool thing to see but also like goes to show just like how terrible of a person peter quill is so um <laughs> yeah i'm gonna get to that this, this, is, this brought up a lot of infinity war hate i had in my heart again yeah but he has really great taste in music that's true. That's right. what do you think? Uh, one word. Yondu. I knew. I saw him, and I knew you were gonna. Oh God! And he got so much screen time. I was living for it. I was so excited to see Yondu. Um, 
with a small mohawk too, like the little, the baby one, the number, which was really nice. It was such a throwback. I loved it. I loved seeing these characters kind of in like their younger years. So like Thanos, like as a younger version of himself, right? Like he's not as jaded and older. And now Dude, that he's- I love Ravager Thanos. <laughs> Ravager <laughs> Thanos is amazing. And fanboy Korath, as they call him in the comments. Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine if someone just had that conversation with Thanos, like at, at that point in time, like would that have you know maybe changed Thanos or something like yeah. to not be the the crazy uh, person he was, but uh, well, so like you can believe that the only person who could probably do that is T'Challa. Is yeah, like, just, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah fanboy so fanboy Korath was uh, amazing. I think that's actually what stuck out to me the most in this episode was like key characters. It was like Ravager Thanos, Nebula, like yeah, those oh. those interesting takes are just like they were really fun and fleshed out. And like the the fact that like that whole genocide running bit, you know, it's just like that, that was uh, really interesting how they kind of dive into that. Cause you know, obviously it's a very dark, <laughs> it's a very heavy <laughs> thing uh, to kind of just like poke fun at, but like, like uh, it was still the, I thought they did it really well. Um, I didn't like this episode though. And I feel man, this is like negative today. Um, I, didn't, I didn't like this episode. I thought this was so like unfollowed. Unsubbed. Uh, I mean, you T'Challa was great. Who hurt T'Challa, you this week? T'Challa was great. Uh, like some of the key characters were great, but as a overall whole, like I was just like, oh my god, can we get this done already? I mean, I was well, just watching. I was just like, it wasn't. It did not hold my so. Attention. So so two things on that because because I because I, I kind of agree with you on the on, on for the first two episodes. I, I'm very curious to see what you see of the third episode because to me, I think it is so wildly different that like it it fits the whole I think what they're trying to accomplish. I think the episodes are a little bit too I think they're 10 minutes too long and I think they spend I think the first two episodes spend too much time trying to retell the the stories that in the worlds that they're taking place of instead of doing something a bit more wild and crazy. Like the the what if in the comics like when they presented you with a a scenario like drastically cha- transform the world around them and I don't think we got that in the first two. The first episode as much as I love Captain Carter, I'm excited to see more of Captain Carter was basically the first Avenger. Like and and so like I don't Dude, it was better than the first Avenger. I've been real I've been breaking that episode as I rewatch it actually. But like but, but like but that but like that's it, right? Like it's I don't there wasn't necessarily anything it didn't seem like there was anything new or, or, or different outside of like, you know, outside of the Captain Carter of it all. And I think that's the, the same thing here. While I liked episode, uh, I really liked episode two. It, it still felt a bit say, like trying to cram guardians one and two, like a four hour epic into, you know, 30 minutes just doesn't, uh, just that's, didn't work. Yeah. That's what I, well, that's my thing though. And we talked about this last time, right? I liked the first episode. But why did I like the first episode? Number one, I just love the concept of Captain Carter that we've got in games and other stuff, right? So that character is outside of just the what-if medium. I like that character. I like that premise. So I'm all about that. And I love the first Avenger. The first Avenger is one of my favorite MCU films. So yes, like that one resonates with me, but it's going to be completely subjective with every episode because they are just kind of mashing you know, or changing one thing. And it's like, yeah, it's a guardians and a black Panther movie. I like black Panther and I like, I like guardians, but like there wasn't, it, I, I don't love them. Like I do the first Avenger. So it's just like, it's that part. Then that like, Oh, seeing all these people again, is not going to resonate with me as much as it did with cap. And then that means all the other stuff has to hold it up for me. 
And aside from just like liking specific characters, like I will take a Ravager Thanos series in a heartbeat. I'll take like, I want to <laughs> see some of those characters again, but do I care about this overall premise and story? No, like it's <laughs> like, it just don't. So uh, yeah. And I, and I didn't think the T'Challa Ravager transformation was like just that compelling for me. Like there have been other black Panther, what if style things that I would find more interesting. I mean, geez, just having Black Panther as Defender of Hell's Kitchen, which like took place in the regular comics, would be more interesting to me than just seeing him. It's like, oh, well, we're going to go back to Wakanda for another story. Yeah. We already know that. So yeah, so that's longer. just me. But you know, yeah, I'm excited to see what you think for about about next week's episode because I think it's a it's a huge change of pace from what we've gotten before. All right. Well, there you go. That's what if. What did you guys think about the latest episode of Titans dealing oh, with the aftermath of Titans that big death? Someone yeah. asked for that in the comments. Yeah, spoilers, spoilers for Titans because we're dealing with the aftermath of a big death in uh, in episode three. So we're going to talk about that. But it's kind of hard to talk about without, I mean, referencing right. it because yeah. it's the yeah. entire spoilers. premise for episode four. So spoilers for Titans. Spoiler alert! All right, can, I so, it now? can I blur it out now? They killed my boy! And it yeah. hurts. <laughs> yeah, they killed Hawk, Alan Richardson. In it, I was and, really uh, hoping they'd find a way to bring him back. Yeah, <laughs> no. There's, there's, there's literally nothing. Superman went into, Superboy went into that fire. There's nothing to bring back. He, uh, he was washing. <laughs> they literally starts with him washing Hawk off of him. Like, I cannot him. believe they did that. Yeah. Um, so Hawk's dead and everybody's trying to deal with it in their own way. And because we know the Titans are so emotionally healthy, it, it goes perfectly. And it's just a <laughs> five minute episode. No, of course not. Uh, everybody deals with it really poorly. Superboy wants to off himself because he thinks his Lex Luthor side screwed him up from. He had nothing him. to do with like what? That seemed a little much. I mean, like hey, I understand yeah, I mean, guilt, yeah. but like well, the whole like I'm evil, like that well, has nothing to do with you not I, being fast enough to get. Yeah, the I also didn't buy it because I was like, wouldn't your Lex Luthor side be the edge you had in that situation, yeah, it, being able to put it together that device? Because exactly. Clark, Kent, I don't remember. I mean, he's yeah, smart. And could do that, but, like, <laughs> he's no fast on that one. That, but, that yeah. one seemed out of place. Yeah, that was a little too dramatic. But um, it was hilarious with the Starfire having her blackouts and nearly and keep messing up Beast Boy, which was like a bit of lev- dark lev in this episode that Corey I and Gar are yeah. money uh, yeah, every they, are. Scene, they are so good like yeah uh like Anna is so settled into that character and it showed like this episode was like why I said that was just because like just so comfortable and the comedy can play yeah it's so good I mean you know like <laughs> when the trunk part's my favorite yeah, that was such a great cut because you have no idea what's happening. And then she's just driving and she gets out. She's like, what? And then you just hear the baggie in the trunk and you open it. And he's just like, what the hell, man? So oh, man. Yeah. her uh, like That's the way you do those blackout episodes. Like, that's funny because they do that stuff all the time in superhero yeah. lore. But this was a great thing. And like, yeah, Anna Diop really got a lot to do this episode, uh, meeting Blackfire and having this episode was much more dense than I thought. It kept going. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait, what? I was like, oh, we're still going? Like, oh, okay. Like, we're doing the whole Blackfire thing right now? Oh, yeah. we're doing the whole Scarecrow buddy cop thing right now? Like, okay. Yeah. There's a lot. Uh, they pack a lot into, yeah. into stuff to see. I will say, and Blackfire, I don't, I, I don't know how to feel yet. Because I just, yeah, I didn't get a real good grasp of, like, the character. Because, like, they have a whole conversation and, like, they have a fight and stuff. But, like, I came away learning more about Corey. Then I came away learning about Blackfire and I was just like, okay, like I don't, I don't have a sense for that character yet, you know? Yeah. Um, um, and it's kind of my one criticism about this season, which I've been really liking so far is 
there's obviously two halves to this story in it. And I'm not quite like sure if they're kind of matching up quite yet. The whole, whatever's going on with Corey and Blackfire and, and the thread of that and the whole red hood thing, they feel like they're really at odds with each other right now and kind of pulling away from each other. So I hope they kind of converge and coalesce and feel like one big cohesive storyline pretty soon. Yeah. Also great comment. By Martin Washington, he'll come back as Aquaman. <laughs> I mean, that would be awesome if he did. I love Alan Richardson, and so he can do anything. But um, we're not going to too, too deep on that because I want to move on and get to comics. Titans is still ongoing. This was just kind of a middling episode. Uh, so we'll be back and uh, read that and talk to that. Um, I am going to mention real quick, I am watching some new things. I'm watching Nine Perfect Strangers, that Hulu series, that mystery thriller, because White Lotus ended, and uh, now that that's over, i got to fill that void. So I started watching Nine Perfect Strangers, uh, and it's interesting so far. I did not know who was in this cast. That's got one of the most stacked casts uh, I've seen in a long time. It's Nicole Kidman, Melissa McCarthy, um, Regina King. Oh, I've seen a lot of the ads yeah. for this. Regina King, Bobby Cannavale, uh, Samara Weaving, my boy, uh, uh, my boy from uh, what you call it from Snowfall. Oh man, I forget uh, forget his name in that show, but he was a great villain in that show. Uh, Michael Shannon's in it, like yeah, and it's about these strangers who come to this wellness resort to kind of get help from Nicole Kidman, who is this kind of wellness guru, but uh, not all is as it seems. So that was kind of a slow first one, but uh, I'm going to keep pushing through and see that. The other thing I'm watching is this Hugh Jackman movie reminiscence. Oh yeah. Andy Newton and uh, Rebecca, what's her, uh, Rebecca Hall. No, not Rebecca Hall. I forget her name. I'm blanking on her name right now. The mission impossible girl. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, it's all right. It's not Regina King's. Regina Hall is in is in uh, Nine Perfect Strangers. Don't want to mess that up. I uh, like my Regina's. Um, scary movie, Regina Hall. Um, basically, Reminiscence is kind of this kind of attempt to make a film noir detective story and sci-fi spectacle. And it's just okay. Like, it belongs on HBO Max. <laughs> like, Hugh Jackman, I'm, I'm kind of surprised, rarely has a miss th- like yeah. this big. But this one is kind of a miss, and there's a lot of good people. Oh, like the team, like like that, and like it, it being Lisa, Lisa, Lisa Joy, Joy from Westworld. You know, yeah, yeah Sandy uh, Newton, who's awesome. Um, yeah. Rebecca, who I'm blanking on her name. Rebecca Ferguson, thank you, John speaks. That's uh, Rebecca Ferguson from Mission Impossible, who's awesome. Hugh Jackman, who's awesome. A bunch of actors in between. Um, my boy from Fear the Walking Dead, uh, Cliff Curtis, who is also awesome. And like, there's a lot of good people in this movie. But it, so it's weird that it just doesn't come together, and it feels kind of boring. I think it's just the attempt to do film noir and do a kind of a Blade Runner type deal. You got to really be able to pull that off, and even Blade Runner bored a lot of people. So even then, you can only pull it off so much. And so, yeah, it was it's okay. But check it out if you're looking for something to watch on uh, HBO Max this weekend. I'm not gonna lie, Kofi put. The, that he was watching uh, Nine Perfect Strangers in the in our Slack, and I didn't see the nine, so I thought there was a Perfect Strangers reboot. And you I got really so excited, happy. yeah. You got really like excited minutes, and then I googled it. I went, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got really excited for one second. You were like, we're talking so about Balky. I was like, what? Yeah. All right, let's go to comics, Matt. Then we're gonna finish out with comics today. What do you got for us this week? Oh boy, let's start. With the trial of Magneto. Uh, one second. There's a question in the comments. The reminiscence is a movie on HBO Max, uh, same day theatrical premiere service. Nine Perfect Strangers is on Hulu. Ah, oh, okay. Nice. 
Um, Comics. Let's start with the trial. I want to redo it again. <laughs> trial and Magneto. Uh, so this is the one, of course, uh, the, oh, by the way, spoilers coming in for these comics. Uh, we're going to be talking about War, Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters number three, Moon Knight number two, and Trial of Magneto number one. So spoilers coming for those. If you haven't read them yet, I apologize now. Um, so Trial of Magneto picks up with the uh, just kind of random <laughs> death of Scarlet Witch at the uh, at the end of the Hellfire Gala. Um, and we start to see kind of like the investigation happening. And as you can tell from the story and like the other descriptions that have been released, Magneto is the key suspect. Um, this is one of those things where I, I had kind of low expectations going in because when you remember when they announced this this was peak wandavision so scarlet yep. witch was at her most popular and they went oh hey we're gonna we're gonna kill her now and do this thing right so it was very odd timing so then we we get to this and like i like parts of the issue because i like x factor x factor is like the krakoan we're the csi of krakoa we're gonna investigate things and figure out how all this happened and they still get clowned that, so so then, right, you got X-Force and like kind of hovering and then you have all this other stuff happening that's kind of like getting in the way of them doing their jobs. That part is really interesting here. Almost everything else, I just did not. I, it's one of those things we I always bag on Avengers versus X-Men because it made characters feel not like themselves. It was it, all of a sudden these people were acting out of turn and like acting like they don't typically act. And that was my issue with that. And here's the same thing. We've seen this Magneto built up throughout this whole house of X powers and, and all the books that have come after. And then all of a sudden, like a switch flip, this Magneto is all of a sudden acting like Magneto seven years ago. And so it's just, it's a very weird thing. Like uh, they might very well explain it later on, but here it just kind of felt like, why is this? It just felt very odd. Um, we do get the reveal of course, that Scarlet witch is actually not dead, but we have no idea where she is or what's what's happening there's a lot going on in this issue i didn't love it uh clearly but there were key things as far as x-factor that i dug um so what does everybody think of the concept number one and what did you think of the issue i'm just going to be excited when we move past this hickman era of x-men i feel like it is overstayed it's welcome are you kidding me oh my god talk about it yeah, no, I like, I mean, I think the Hitman era of X-Men has done significant things better than it you know, has. And there are things I never want to lose from this. Like, yeah, obviously Krakoa has been set up to not be like possibly a sustainable thing, right? It's going to get messy. Yeah. It was this ideal they had that's going to fall apart and it is already falling apart rather quickly. But the whole idea and concept of what makes mutants different, Hickman has established and set up X-Men for like the next 20 years. Like, None in like this whole concept of mutants not being these isolated superpowered individuals, but these kind of superpowered individuals that work as a collective and fight as a collective and could do amazing things by combining their powers is a concept nobody has really introduced into X-Men before. And it is so thoroughly interesting and in how they interact and use each other, not in a bad way, but kind of function with each other as as a community with their powers and, and all that has been so interesting. Um, this isn't our first trial of Magneto. This is kind of a rehash. Right. And th- this one feels flimsy. Like it, it really does. Um, it's not, it's good. I, I've liked seeing the complicated nature of Charles and Magneto having been transformed 
by Moira's kind of knowledge and House of X into this new unit. And I think what is happening is we've gotten so far out in exploring this new world of X-Men that we've gotten too far away from some of the original House of X, Powers of X, uh, or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Powers of X stuff, mainly Moira, like taking her out of this. It's been too long, like, and kind of losing focus of her in the center of literally being in the center of Krakoa and all this stuff. And so, like, we're beginning to just fall back into these weird old patterns. And I feel like this is just, like Matt said, this is like arch old Magneto willing to battle everybody, even though he's been on this whole, you know, awakening as a mutant leader and all this stuff. So it's just kind of like, we're like, what are we doing here? And this just feels like a weird in-between event to get us to Inferno and out of Hellfire Gala. And it it just feels kind of half cooked, right? Yeah. Uh, And there's just so much... There's so I, I wish they hadn't pulled this thread because I didn't realize until I started really realize I did not realize until I started reading this how far away I've actually gotten from the mythos of Magneto, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Polaris and like what all is going on. Like I'm not even up on the fact that like Scarlet Witch and Pietro are no longer mutants. They're like now pretenders. They're Magneto's kids, but so is like Polaris and like she is a mutant and like and it's all over the place and i wish they would just leave this the hell alone because it's just gotten so sloppy and confusing um with when marvel was trying to move away from x-men because of the avengers rights and putting yeah, trying to put the inhumans yeah. and trying to who could use who and so therefore we're showing using, their face yeah because we're putting them in this avengers 2 movie they're not mutants anymore like all that stuff has gotten so muddled and I wish they had not pulled this thread and put a spotlight on it and right. threw it out there as a book. That's a good point. It's like airing your dirty laundry and being like, we're going to make money off selling it. And it's like, people <laughs> are like, I don't know if you are. Um, now I know, Janelle, you, I, I think we, I think we finally won you over with the core relaunch of X-Men. I yeah. So, <laughs> what did you feel about this issue? I mean, X-Men's not my favorite, yeah. which is, is kind of bummer for me because I really think, thought that I loved X-Men because I used to play with the toys as a kid. Like I, I guess I just didn't really understand. It's just a, it's a really, <laughs> it's a thorough uh, set of, of like everything. Like there's so much more to it than what you kind of think is just like Wolverine as a toy, as a kid. So and now that I'm trying to like, as an adult chew on all of this information, I mean, I literally have a guide to each mutant, <laughs> that I can like look up like what each of them do because if I didn't have that I, I it's really hard to jump in. Um this I loved the artwork. I'll say that. That was like okay. the highlight for me. The artwork was beautiful. Wanda was stunning as a dead woman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she looked beautiful though. And then the last page uh with all the flowers and it was, was just awesome, gorgeous. Actually. Like I I would literally print that and hang that on my wall. Um Yeah, I just don't really know where they're going. It felt like they just kept saying the same thing over and over again. I'm watching Lucifer right now for the first time. So I'm, I'm in this like crime, like solving, you know, headspace. And so it's very hard to like push that up against like this book with not very much time trying to crime solve the mutants using their powers. And then, you know, watching like Lucifer, which is beautifully done, obviously, like it's, it's a show. It's, I just kind of felt like, okay, you said that already. <laughs> like, right. you, okay, we get it. She was walking through here. Like, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's an empty spot of grass. Um, but it, you know, I, 
it, it because I love Wanda so much now because I love Scarlet Witch, I'm totally going to keep you know watching this and seeing where it goes. Right. Magneto are like uh, and you know I haven't I don't know anything about the previous trials of Magneto. So right. for me like I'm I'm kind of like okay, oh he's in trouble. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> like and, and I will say, uh, because I know Jim touched on it and Kofi before of like, well, Jim is just ready to be out of the Hickman era. <laughs> Kofi is kind of like we're stalling. And I feel like part, I don't think you can blame all that on Hickman because as you know, he is leaving the X-Books as that whole interview came out. Right. And he's been very upfront about saying like, I was ready to move into the next major arc because there was a kind of a three arc thing about his macro level plan and he was ready to move into the second arc. And then everyone was like, no, we want to stay in the first. And so I think that's why you haven't seen Moira. You haven't seen those things pulled at because I think it was kind of, we're not ready. We want to play in this sandbox more and that's fine. But that also means you do put off some of those longer threads that we're all wondering about. So I do kind of hope that, I, I enjoy being able to play in the sandbox every month. There are some books I love and some books I don't, but I do hope that soon, sooner than later, we get to that next thing. Cause I think that'll be important. Otherwise things will stall. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the only, the only X-Men books I get excited to read these days are X-Force and Wolverine. And I think Ben Piercy is just killing it on those. Yeah, so. Marauders is so good every month. Mar- Mar- Marauders is all Marauders is good. It's, it's not like, like when it comes out, it, like it's part of my stack to read, but like, it's not one I actively am like sneaking to the top. Mm-hmm. I understand that. So let's move on uh, to uh, what's something in Kofi's bag here. Star Wars war of the bounty hunters, number three. And I like, yay, yay. let Kofi run with this because I am like, as Janelle is with X-Men, I am like, when it comes to Star Wars comics, there's so much information there. And I'm like, I don't know what they're talking. About. <laughs> I don't know. What Co- talking Kofi, about. why does star Wars hate dash Rendar? And how is he not involved in this? I mean, we don't need a, a fake ass Han Solo yet. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh. Wow. Wow. Oh, boy. No, I'm Are you kidding. kidding me? What? No, I'm kidding. Yes, I played Shadows of the Empire as a kid. I was very obsessed with it. <laughs> I, I very much loved uh, Dash Rendar. Um, but um, we don't need him. I mean, if he's not coming to war, the bounty hunters were who they're pulling everybody. Yeah, that's true. That's what I mean. Like how? Yeah, like, like Zom and what no... their name? Those two dudes got their own comic. The insect guys, bounty hunter guys. Like I mean, he is probably never coming. <laughs> um, give up that hope. Abandon uh, all hope on that. But um, yeah, War of the Bounty Hunters three. Uh, I'm loving this Star Wars crossover event because they've done the impossible. They've, they've found a way. They found this small space inside the original trilogy continuity to make this major crossover event that they can play with all of these major characters and have them do milestone stuff, but still settle everything uh, by the time Return of the Jedi starts and, and not interrupt Star Wars movie canon whatsoever, which is a magic trick in and of itself. But um, War of the Bounty Hunters, if you haven't been following, is basically the story of what happened when Boba Fett took Han Solo's carbonite kind of uh, body out of Cloud City after Empire Strikes Back. And he was going to Jabba's palace, but he didn't, it wasn't a straight shot. He got robbed by Solo's old girlfriend, Kira, who has brought back Crimson Dawn from the Solo movie uh, to the Star Wars universe. And there's this, yeah, that was a cool thing to see. And then Crimson Dawn basically holds this big auction to sell Han Solo's body to whoever wants it, which attracts, because since Han Solo has made so many wonderful enemies, attracts the Empire um, the Rebel Alliance and every crime syndicate you know from Star Wars and every low scummy bounty hunter and smuggler 
figure, including Dr. Afra, to this one location to come to this auction. Uh, and where we are now is the auction get, has gotten crashed by Darth Vader, who learned this is happening and wants to use Han Solo to lure out Luke Skywalker to try to kill Luke Skywalker. And this issue is all about what happens when Darth Vader crashes this auction. And it is fire, quite literally, because uh, Kira, who was, of course, at Solo, began to work for Darth Maul, comes out and is like, you know what? I don't care if you're a Sith Lord. I've dealt with Sith Lords. That was cool. I'm going to yeah. throw down. And so Kira throws down with Darth Vader because she's not scurred. Uh, meanwhile, while Lando, Princess Leia, Chewbacca have a run-in with Boba Fett up in the rafters, and they're all trying to get Han Solo without getting killed by Darth Vader or the or Jabba the Hutt, because Jabba the Hutt also had a verbal kind of altercation with Darth Vader. And if you are a Star Wars geek like I am, this was like, this was Mark level 10 for this yep. issue because... Yeah, Boba Fett fights Chewbacca, which is amazing. Lando says, kick his ass, Chewbacca, and Chewbacca throws down with Boba Fett. And it is amazing because they can't use blasters because Darth Vader will know and kill them. So they got to go hand-to-hand until Boba Fett's getting his ass kicked and pulls out a flamethrower on Chewbacca, which is, you know, every Wookiee's kryptonite is uh, obviously <laughs> fire. So, uh, yeah. So this this issue was just great. And like I said, this crossover is great because it's bringing together these major characters. Luke arrives at the end of this, and that's going to be the next chapter because um, Vader senses Luke and shows up and stops trying to kill everybody because he's going to go kill Luke now. Um, but yeah, this is Star Wars geekery on another level. And the writers and the creative team putting this together have done probably one of the more flawless crossovers I've seen from Marvel Comics or Star Wars or anybody else. Because, yeah, every side of this is fun and exciting. And even the minor bounty hunter characters getting their little one shot issues are fun. Uh, and they have some pretty big Star Wars throwbacks, deep cuts, call outs, characters from the animated side, from kind of the Legends lore. It is, it, it's just good stuff. So check that out if you haven't. What did you guys think real quick? Go, Jenna. Yeah, I, I'm there. I mean, I'm there with you. I, like, yeah. I loved it. Same. It's so good. I mean, if you've watched the films, even if you don't have like an extensive background in Star Wars, you can enjoy the heck out of this comic. It is awesome like so well done familiar faces great portrayal of each of these characters that you know and love and it's just has energy like it feels uh, it's moving it's like scary with darth vader and it's exciting with the fighting between chewbacca and Banda. it's just really cool it just takes place at a very cool moment along a timeline that we all know exists that you know that that shines some some light on it, right? Like that's you know, oh, yeah. th- and it does a good job. That's what makes yeah. it. Yeah, like you now what, know how real it was when that showdown at Jabba's <laughs> Palace happened. Yeah. Like this wasn't the first time, and these people by then, Leia, Luke, everybody, they are pissed, and they are like, yeah, that's yeah. why that showdown over the Sarlacc pit goes gets so real. Yeah, yeah. So that's I think that's one of the things that I that I love. About so much more about this than I think some of the other Star Wars books, right? Like some of the other other Star Wars books are kind of you know dancing between raindrops in in with in certain moments or whatever. But like this one, just like, it's just, like we've said before, it just, it just does it so well and does it in a way that is so additive, right? And it's not just like happening to happen. It is it is literally like you bringing, you know, Kira back into the fold in a way like this and knowing that she was alive during this, you know, or you know, kind of the, the timing of the original trilogy and all that, like is is cool. Yeah. 
it's when the, when the creators say a lot of times that like, oh, we're trying to add to the to the toy box. We're trying to add yep. things in. This is this series is like proof of that concept. They're just putting stuff in that other people can then take and and run with if they want to. I will say my favorite moment was actually just <laughs> Vader's speech early on of like, well, here's I'm not going to bid on it. It's ours. Like his whole like trying to just take it because he's Vader and everyone's ever and well, everyone's Vader like, flex and this is works. the greatest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, screw the rules. I kill everybody. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, everybody. Yeah. Uh, that was that was great. Uh, so our third uh, of the week was voted on uh, by the fans. So thank you, you so much, the fans, uh, for voting on that. And we'll do another one this coming week. Uh, it's Moon Knight number two. Uh, of course, you know if you listen to that last show, we are just we were over the moon. See what it there. Uh, for Moon Knight number one, and uh, for me anyway, Moon Knight number two just like keeps the the train moving. Uh, I I again, this book is just stunning, but I just love that we're getting little focuses. Like this is a very Mister Knight focused issue, uh, but again, Reese is becoming like an MVP of this book. Is such a fun character, and they, and they have such great back and forth. But this is really just a kind of a a mystery and kind of, I mean, you would say in a procedural, it was very much like a, you know, kind of villain of the, of the week type thing, but it's just done so well. And you also learn about like what's going on in Mark Spector's head. And you also like see some of the nuggets that they're placing for the other personalities kind of getting their chance to shine as well. This is a very mm-hmm. Mr. Knight centric issue. And I did not hate that at all. I thought it was great all the way through. And I mean, this, this is a fantastic uh, relaunch. Uh, this series because it is bringing all these things that we know from the characters past and into this new kind of era in fresh ways. So it's not abandoning all that stuff. It's just taking it and doing fresh things with it. And it's the best thing you could ask for, at least for me. But what'd you guys think? The, the, the thing here for those who may want to appreciate it more is if you have not read it yet, this picks up a lot of themes from the Jeff Lemire run, uh, uh, you know, fairly recent Jeff Lemire run, which, uh, which, which, which was an awesome, which is an awesome run. And I love the idea that they're playing with the, um, the effect that Conchu has had over Mark, uh, you know, over, over the last years. I like that uh, they are, really leaning into the supernatural of it in a way that makes it, that makes it a lot of fun. And I think, you know, low key goes to show just how strong of a character Moon Knight can be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially now given everything else he's, he's, he's had, you know, kind of happen and go and, and happen with him. I do. I am curious to see how they rebuild up Conchu because I think they, they kind of, jobbed Conchu out a little bit in in the Avengers run with that you know kind of oh, immediately completely. preceded this yeah and so <laughs> and so that'll be interesting to see how they they build them up because to me Conchu is always a you know it, it should be a you know like a phoenix level threat or like one of those big like I mean he's a freaking god right and so right. um and I think he's always he's always kind of more often than not has kind of been portrayed that way, but has never given like Moon Knight the the abilities to go full full bore, you know, with uh, his blessing kind of thing. And so it'll be interesting to see how that happens, you know, how they they reintroduce Conchu, um and uh, and and go from there. But like I mean, look, this is it's 
one of the best superhero books on stands. And I say that as a complete unbiased. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, of course. Uh, I do think it's interesting because I I agree with you. I think I was so amped for age of Conchu and there are elements of it that I liked, but overall I just felt like we, we didn't do damage to him and to moon Knight, but I will say we didn't help him by the end of that. I didn't feel like he was in a better place. And Kanchi's yeah. never really been displayed. Is this like ultra powerful gone? Like he's, yeah. he is. He is. He's supposed to be. He's right. never really been presented as that Phoenix level thing. So I would be fun to do. But I do think right now the best thing for it is probably just space. So I am yep. okay with him being kind of held off for a bit. Let's build up some of the other characters in here. Let's build up some more villains before we kind of bring in, you know, Bushman. Or we bring in some of those yeah. things that we know. Let's kind of show take up. a pause. I, I think Conchie needs to be on ice for a little bit, but I am excited with what we've seen yeah. so far with what McKay can do with them. But Kofi, yep. Janelle, what do you guys think? I thought this was this issue was very much the closest I've seen to being in the vein of like one of those standalone Warren Ellis stories. Yep. Uh, just in the structure and the kind of tone and the way it played with things, going from this very grounded noir detective story to this crazy kind of um uh surrealist kind of mystical thing at the end with the kind of head trip mental trap he lays for him it reminded me a lot of the story of uh the mold the living mold under the floorboards that ellis Mm -hmm. did where Mm -hmm. he has to kind of go into that guy's body and his mind and kind of figure out like what the hell happened to him and there's all this surrealist thing with the gross body horror porous mold stuff um anyway this was very much that. And like I said, it's a great kind of, if you were to make like a single episode of a Moon Knight TV show that basically encapsulated just like, Hey, this is what Moon Knight's all about. This is kind of a good snapshot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the grounded, it's kind of the grounded Mr. Knight stuff, uh, but still gives you brushstrokes of Mark Spector's past, his relationship to Conchu, the supernatural stuff and what it is and what he's been through as Moon Knight and these different personalities. And I liked that the vague but kind of ominous thing at the end of him trapping the guy and putting him in his jacket with his other personalities, which I feel like we're going to revisit later. Like right. there's something yep. about this that's going to come to a head, but um, yeah. And that's just the kind of the, the general fun and weirdness of what makes Moon Knight more than just Marvel's Batman is, is kind of on display in this issue. Right. Yeah. That's the biggest distinguisher. I feel like you want to, you want to die. I, I don't want that to be the easy to describe term. Once this series is over, you know what I mean? And I don't think, I think we're on track to make that happen where that won't be. Cause there's just so much more to that character uh, than Batman. Janelle, what'd you think? Yeah. As a first timer, I, I don't, I honestly did not make that connection. Like Batman, I was thinking something more mystical. <laughs> so it's, that's, awesome. I feel they're doing a good job um, with that. And yeah, I mean, I liked the first, the other um, book a little bit better because I feel like I was getting some backstory, mm-hmm. um, which to me, I think is part of what makes this character so cool um, is like his connection to the God. And like, I don't know. Anyways, that is really neat. This, this just was, um, it was okay. I mean, I'm not going to like rave about it because I, it didn't like, it it just felt like another (laughs) episode of Lucifer, like a detective. I'm just, I guess I'm just in that headspace. Um, But I, I very much look forward to seeing him just like 
battle. Like, I obviously haven't seen him like fights, like duke it out as Moon Knight. And like, I'm looking forward to seeing the reveal of like the extent of his powers and everything that he can do and what he represents. And like, I just want to get to know this character more and more. And that's where it left me. So I feel like that's a good, it's doing its job. I'm intrigued to see like each side of him. I'm intrigued by his relationship with his new assistant and yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. And obviously, yeah, like the end was just so cool. Like it, I love the spooky mind trick games. Just all of that is just really, really up my alley. So I'm, I'm all about Moon Knight. I'm so sold. It makes yeah. me so happy to hear. Uh, yeah. So good. Uh, awesome. Well, that's comics. All right, that'll do it for our show this week. We want to thank you for tuning in to Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. If you like the show, we go live on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube every Friday at noon Eastern time. If you missed a live show, just rewatch on any of those platforms. If you just want the audio, we are on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, or you can tell any of your smart home devices to play Comic Book Nation podcast, and it will fire up for you. If you like the show and want to become one of our regular fans, please follow us at the at Comic Book Nation account on Twitter, or you can talk to us individually. I am at Kofi Outlaw. I am at, at Aguilar CB. I am at Janelle Wheeler. At Jim Viscardi, baby. And if you like the show, <laughs> go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We always appreciate it. That'll do it for this episode. We will see you guys next week. This has been Comic Book Nation. Thank you for hanging out with us. Peace. Bye, guys. See you.